Good to see you again. Uh, again, my name is Drew. If, uh, uh, if you're just joining us, I'm glad you're here. I um, am excited to, to start thinking about this song. I, I really like this is one of my favorite Christmas um, carols or hymns. Um, and it reminds me of a moment in my life. Uh, this phrase, oh, come all you faithful. I was new uh, to my faith or at least new to really owning it. When I, and I went, I went to college. So I was actually in college. And when I first got there, there was these people who quickly found me. Maybe you had this experience. Uh, if you went to college, they like swarm you right away when you get there and invite you to all these like ministry things. I'm thankful for that. And I um, was invited to some and probably in one of my first weeks there, um, I remember sitting with some upperclassmen who I really respected because they seemed to really like have their faith figured out. I guess in, in my mind, at least. Um, and I remember them sitting around, we were, uh, having some food after like a campus worship night thing. And they were talking about how they really needed to have this come to Jesus moment with their roommate. Um, at least one of their roommates. And, uh, I thought, Oh, I would like to know what that's like. I, I'm just understanding what it looks like to not only follow Jesus, but encourage others like to share good, the good news with other people. And so I asked, can I come with, can I, can I come watch that? Cause I just be a part of it. And they had really been gracious and kind of bringing me with in life up to this point, these first, first month or two of college. And so I went with them. We walked through the campus and uh, to their uh, apartment and uh, their, their roommate was, playing some N64, some Nintendo there. And they said, Hey man, we got to have a talk. And I thought, okay, I'm sort of taking mental notes. I'm thinking, okay, you, you tell them to stop what they're doing. You tell them to sit down on the couch. We kind of gathered around him, uh, <clears throat> thinking, okay, you have them, you, you surround them. You, and they said, uh, we, we need to talk, man. It's, it's time. I thought, Oh man, they're just gonna, I don't think I would have done it this way. So I can't wait. I'm I'm ready to watch these 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 men who I'm excited to hear teach me how to have this come to Jesus moment with this guy. And one of them says, uh, "You go." He looks to another guy, and another guy, "You no, you, no, you do it." They're all kind of nervous, understandably. They're about. We're, I'm about to see their roommate. His life change, right? His heart go from stone to flesh. And uh, the guy goes, "Okay, uh, hey man." you got to wash your dishes. So I don't know. He, there must be this cool analogy. Yeah, you're right. You're, they're dirty. Your dishes are dirty. And their sink is filling up with sin. I, and let's get Jesus in there to clean the dishes. I'm like having this moment. What's going on? This seems like way too big of a production to just ask your roommate to do his dishes. And then they go into five minutes of explaining, Hey man, your dishes are always piling up. It's really frustrating and it's kind of gross. And we're always doing your dishes and you got to do your dishes, man. I thought, what? This is what the, this is your come to Jesus. Not, I had not made that connection to that phrase that's used culturally that come to Jesus. Just people just means like, this is the moment of truth. Like, Hey, you just need to understand this thing. It's time. I actually thought they were going to ask their roommate to come to Jesus, to move towards Jesus, the savior of the universe, right? The creator of our world. No, they just needed their dishes washed. Um, I won't forget that because whenever I hear that phrase, 
you know, someone says, oh, we had to come to Jesus with that guy, with that friend, with her, with him. I, I think, oh, it's dishes, right? They had to do dishes. That phrase, though, right? We hear, you hear that? They had to come to Jesus. Just means like, you know, they had a uh, maybe a difficult conversation or a very uh, focused conversation. Like, this is what's true and what's right. And it, it can mean we're asking people to actually come follow Jesus or maybe just do some dishes or clean up your act a little bit. I think of it also when we sing, O Come All Ye Faithful, this great hymn. We're in a series right now, just for a few weeks during Christmas that we're calling Born as the King. And we're uh, just looking at a couple of Christmas carols or hymns, uh, four of them to be exact. And last week we looked at the first Noel and we're looking at, O Come All Ye Faithful at Christmas. Uh, our Christmas service is based around the silent night and then Oh, holy night next Sunday. And so we're just looking at this hymn to be inspired by what is it saying and why is that important? And so the words to this, a few of the verses here, uh, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Right? It's this, it's, we sing this at Christmas because it's this, come and look at this Jesus, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Another verse says, sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation, sing all you citizens of heaven above. It's inviting not just angels, but people that all the verses of this that over time had been added on uh, all have the same idea of inviting all these different people to come and adore him. They have the same phrases, right? First, it says, come, move towards, come see this baby who is the Savior, who is our King, and what do we do? And then let's adore him. Adore him meaning a word that um, I saw a description, a definition of someone this week who said, uh, adore is like, we couldn't think of a word for love that was like deeper or stronger. Like, I love that thing. No, I, it's got to be stronger than that. Like a, a worship, a respect. I esteem this thing. I hold it up. I, it, it's, it's everything. Oh, adore. Use the word adore. It's this deeper, richer um, love, affection for something. And so we move towards Jesus and we adore him. We worship him, right? We love him. We worship him. He's the bee's knees, maybe, is a word. If that's a common one you might use in your house. Well, who are the people that that are being invited? I'm excited to think about this. This not only reminds me of washing dishes, but it also reminds me of how incredible it is that this news is um, not just for a certain group of people. And this, this carol is calling us to come and adore him. But who is it calling? Well, let's look at this, the Christmas story first to get a little indication. If we're just looking at that moment in time, who is being called? Come on, come on, worship. Jesus, the king is here. Well, first we see um, in Luke 2, um, we see a few different people who are called, who are who come, who want to move towards Jesus. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be, a be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So we see shepherds, a, a lowly position, uh, these just hardworking shepherds who spend their time even outside of the community 
in order to care for these sheep um, and, and care for these flocks. Um, they're like we talked last week. They they smell like sheep and they're dirty and they literally live and sleep with sheep and they care for the sheep. These sheep, they actually think in the time the shepherds were talking about in this passage historically uh, may have been the same shepherds who were raising the sheep that were going to be used to sacrifice. Um, which is that wild? They're using the, the same sheep that were being sacrificed in order to atone or uh, make right the sins of people. And now they're going to move away from those sheep and they're going to walk to the, the, the lamb, right? The good and great lamb who will die. Um, so this, this shep, these shepherds, right? They're kind of lowly, hardworking, the blue collar um, shepherds are invited to come. We also see in this passage that angels are invited or have just decided to come, right? They angels also appear and sing a song later in Luke 2 of how glorious it is that the king has been born. So we have these shepherds and we also have this these spiritual beings, this like heavenly host of people who are invited. That's a wild mix, right? People who maybe don't tend to hang out together very often. In the account in Matthew of Christmas, we hear about more people, not just shepherds, not just the angels. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, so this, is, this is after, this isn't the same moment that the shepherds are there, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Magi are wise men. These are wise, elite thinkers, spiritual leaders. These are um, people who are, it would be thought of as diff- very different than the shepherds in the sense that they're kind of in a different category of, of wise uh, and leading. In fact, these these magi are called upon by King Herod to find out where the king, where, where Jesus is. Now, Herod has a plan to kill him so that he wouldn't uh, be a better king than, than Herod, which right, you can't stop King Jesus. So that's not a very good plan. But even the king relies on their information. So there's another category of people. This is, this is later after the shepherds are there. Um, and so uh, we think it could even be like a year because Herod actually uh, decides to kill all the babies around that age. Um, but the Magi come too. So we have shepherds, we have angels, we have Magi. We have all these people coming to him. And, and we can't forget also right there with him were his parents. And even his mother, it says, stops to treasure him, to adore him. So even his mom comes to him to worship him, his his dad, his his adoptive dad Joseph is there. They they love him and adore him. There too. So all these different people come to Jesus to adore him, and this is it's it's so sweet because we see then throughout the rest of those gospels, many many people of many backgrounds come to see Jesus. People who are hurting, people who are lonely, have been pushed out of the society or are not allowed to hang out with regular people, um, people who are elite in the culture, who are leaders in the culture are called to come to Jesus. You know the story of the paralyzed man who comes down from the roof, his friends bring him. He comes to Jesus because friends actually carry him through a roof to see Jesus. We see children come to Jesus. In fact, he encourages that. See the sick come to him. We see the wealthy and the poor. And even we hear the story of a man who his job is to kill and terrorize Christians is invited to come and adore 
Jesus. That, that man, Saul, becomes Paul and writes a lot of our New Testament. I mean, it, it's a crazy amount. It seems like a lot of people are welcome. So it seems as if when we sing this song, hey, a whole lot of you, most of you are welcome. Well, we get a little indication of why this is such an incredible moment in history. We might lose some of that because of the kind of cultural context that we're in today. It might not seem as insane or uh, um, scandalous or incredible. Let's read the end of Luke 2 again. This Luke 2, uh, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The angel comes to the shepherds and says, I have really good news. It's about a savior who's coming to save just Israel. No, just the wisest people. No, just the lowly shepherds. No, just the hurt people. No, the sick. No, the wealthy. No, the poor. I'm coming because there's great joy for all people. This is incredible. This is scandalous. This means that this Jesus who's coming is king of all people. Not one kingdom that certain people are in, not because they were born into the family, not because uh, they were already Christians or their parents were Christians, not because what happened when they were a baby, not because they were wealthy, not because of a certain race or class. You don't have to follow the right rules or be religious enough. You can be known for your sin, and Jesus still welcomes you to come and adore him. This is, wow, there's no, uh, there's no like journey you go on. You don't climb through like the magical valley and then through the blue mountains, and then you fight an ogre, and then if you fight him, you use his magical gem, and then you're allowed to come to Jesus. It, he's just there. He says, come, worship me. This is incredible. And, and still right now, to bring great joy is through Jesus, inviting people to come to know Jesus. This passage is uh, even a little nearer to my heart because as we uh, launched our church uh, just about a year ago, we were praying Acts 8-8 over, over our town, over our community, and that the gospel would come and bring great joy to our community, not to a certain people, but to all people. And we're promised this by this angel right here. And so the other question I want to ask is, not only are we called to come, which is great news, and worship him, but, but why? Because there's many things that I move towards, and I adore them, and uh, they end up uh, not really uh, paying off. They, they end up not bringing the joy that I think, or not bringing the peace that I think they are, right? They're, I have these little, we call them idols, right? These little things that I move towards. I say, I'm coming, I'm coming, and I hold on to them, and I love them. And then I say, oh, this did not bring what I thought it would bring. So why are we called to Jesus? Why are all people from any background, whatever they're dealing with, can come to Jesus? Well, Jesus actually uses these words, of coming to him in Matthew. I think this gives us a little indication of what it looks like. Jesus is talking to people. Now, the book of Matthew is written primarily to Jewish people. Matthew writes it um, 
to uh, other people who are religious people who are have been under the authority and the teachings of the Pharisees, of religious leaders who have uh, re- religion for them, uh, and their and to follow God for them has been turned and twisted, and the, they're missing the mark on what it looks like to follow Jesus. Not just to come and worship Him, but a there's some stuff you got to do, or God is not going to allow you to even enter into his house to worship him. And so there's this, uh, it kind of looks like what worship looks like is a lot of rules to be followed. And so there's this burden on these people and Jesus comes and he's talking to them and to these leaders. And he says in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you, just that, that phrase, rest for your souls. What a gift. And so to move towards, to come to Jesus and adore him, to worship him, do, doesn't let us down. To come to him is to be given rest. And we hear in uh, earlier in Luke, the angel tells us it's also going to bring us joy. But I, I see that connection in my life. When I am given rest for my soul, it often stirs into joy. And so when we're talking about people coming, who gets to come? We saw in Luke, everybody is invited. It seems here Jesus even classifies everyone as all who are weary and burdened. Well, who are we? There's people who aren't weary or burdened, right? They don't need rest. As Jesus unpacks this, I think we understand we all are weary and burdened. Now, this probably is more him talking about these this religious burden that's on them, this these laws and rules that if you can't follow them, you can't come to God. He's saying, no, hold on. You put my yoke on? Right? You just come to me and worship me, and I will take that off. The work of, of, uh, <laughs> of getting your sins forgiven, that's not on you. That's on me. I will take the burden of that on a cross. The, the burden of having right relationship with God, I will take that. And you take my yoke and put it on, and you'll have rest from that. Along with, think of just the other burden that's on us, all the things that weigh us down that are deep in our souls. He says, I will give you rest from us because I will satisfy all of those. I think it's hard though to see all people as weary and burdened. I, I forget the whole story. And I think we live in a time and for us uh, in the culture, the world, the community that we live in, it is hard to even believe maybe sometimes that people are weary I think sometimes I'm the only one and I don't want to share it. I think part of that is because we often see a high, high percentage of people's really good, right? Their, their perfection, all the greatness in their life. And we don't see the weary and burdened side. And so we might think, well, we're the only ones who need to come to Jesus. I'm the only one who needs him. And I can't even admit that because I everyone seems to be doing okay. And I, I think some of that comes from, Right, what we're scrolling through and what we see 
people. And, and one of the things that helps me is just to take a moment to look at terrible Instagram fails, terrible Photoshop fails, because it reminds me, oh, yeah, we're all kind of fake in that we're not weary and burned. So I, I found a few of those, a few of my favorites. I think they're they're fun to look at. Here, here's a few of my favorite, just to remind us that I think we're, we're fake in this. I'm not weary and burdened. I don't need to come to Jesus. Um, look, at, look at these. These are, these are moments, whether they're ads or um, actual posts from people that uh, clearly aren't the truth. Um, so here's, here's a great one. This is actually an advertisement for to come stay at this place. <clears throat> from, from a distance, it might look like this top one. Oh, I'm pointing the wrong way. This top one is great. Then they zoom in. <laughs> Clearly, those people don't aren't standing there with their dog, unless they're ghosts or something, right? I love I love that someone added this just to make this feel cozier and warmer, right? It gets better though. Look at these. Look at this one. How often are we like everyone's cheering me on? Look at all the people who are a part of this thing in this photo from the soccer match. They actually just poorly photo like just copied the same people over and over. All these twins, triplets, went to this soccer game together. Unbelievable. Oh, I just can't get enough of these. I love this guy. He wants to show how strong he is, how tough he is. So he ends up Photoshopping extra weight onto his his uh, bar there, but forgets that there's a mirror behind him. And so you see the reality that there was just one bar. <laughs> This is awesome. How often am I doing this? Hey, I'm stronger. I'm better than I. And then someone notices I'm faking it, right? This one is awesome. This guy, this guy's a, right? He, he just, he has a $500,000 check. Even just looking at the check, you can tell. There's no way that's real. But look at the guy's shadow. I love, I love this moment. Look, everybody, I'm so wealthy. Well, I mean, he, he maybe actually got a check, but not in that picture. I love the can you bet he was just standing there with his arms out for a photo. A couple more here. I love these. These are my faves. This one is great. Advertisement for this screen in your car that you can watch movies on. And apparently you can, there's a couch. How man, living the life of luxury on my couch in my car. The the giant biggest dash ever. Unreal. Love this, love this. And here's one of this is like one of my all-time favorites. Man, we went on. The, we go on the coolest vacations to the most exotic places. Our life is magic. We're always grilling out with friends on some grass with a gondola in the background. <laughs> I don't trust anything in this picture. It's like I don't know if that anything's real. The gondola. There's birds. There's an empty tent. Are you going to sleep in the tent? Is it just there to hang out in? You're all you grill. You're grilling a lot of food, and there's a lot of food in front of you. You're just having a feast there. I just love how much. I, so I, I'm showing those, right? Because I want us to consider this idea that we don't need to come to Jesus or moments, at least in our heart, that we don't need to, or maybe others don't need to either. I don't even need to consider asking someone because I think they aren't weary and burdensome. I think this isn't true, right? I, don't, I, I think, oh, come to Jesus if you're weary. Oh, they're not, though. They're living the good life. And I'm going to fake like I'm living the good life. I think this call to all people is that we all are weary and we're burdened. Whether it's from our own labor, the work that we're doing just wears us out, or we're just burdened by even the outside things that are piled on us. 
what good news that we have a Jesus who has come to take that from us, to bring great joy to us because of the rest that we have in the gospel. Now, I, I try to think, how do I remind myself then that we're weary sinners that need to move towards Jesus? And you know what? Everyone around me is a weary sinner that needs rescue from Jesus, which is good news. It's why Christmas is such good news. Often I need to just be reminded of the story of who God is and the great idea that God had for his creation. And one of the ways that happens it, often for me is through children's books. Maybe I'm just, I am just lowly enough that I need a good children's book to hit the point. And for me, one of my favorite books right now has been this one, God's Very Good Idea. It's encouraging and it reminds me of all of these things, that I can come and love Jesus because he brings me rest and he brings all people rest. It's a wild thing. What else in the world brings everybody together? Nothing, just Jesus. So I would love to just share as we uh, end this time and move to a time of communion, I would love to share this good book with you, but I'm not the best reader of children's books in my house, probably not the best reader in my house. So I'd like to bring the, by far, the better reader in my house. If you want to give it up, a big round of applause for the greatest reader in the Zalki house, my wife, Kelly. She's going to read this book to us just to remind us of that good news and that great idea. Here, give it up for Kelly, everybody. <laughs> Here it is. God's very good idea. A true story about God's delightfully different family. This one is by Trillia Newbell, and the pictures, which are beautiful, are by Catalina Escaveri. In the beginning, in fact, before the beginning, God had a very good idea. It was an even better idea than solar panels, super soaker, color TV, chocolate chip cookies, fireworks, the life raft, roller skates, the x-ray machine. God's idea was to make people, lots of people, lots of different people who would all enjoy loving him and all enjoy loving each other. They would all be made in his image. They would all be like mirrors reflecting what God is like. Because God is full of love, they would be full of love, too. So God got to work. He made a beautiful world for people to live in. Then he made the first people, a man and a woman. And he said to them, be happy. Enjoy loving me and loving each other. Have a huge family that will fill the earth and look after the earth and enjoy the earth. God carried on creating people. All of them were made in his image, and all of them were different, too. Some were men, and some were women. Some liked reading, and some liked riding bikes. Some had darker skin, and some had lighter skin. Some had curly hair, and some had straight hair. We live in God's world. We are all different, but we are also all the same. Everyone you see is different than you and the same as you. They might look different, or speak different, or play different, 
but they are all made in God's image. And so they are all valuable. This is God's very good idea. But people ruined God's very good idea. The first people chose not to love God. This is called sin. And because they chose not to love God as they should, they forgot how to love each other as they should. We are the same. We choose not to love God. And so we are not able to love each other like we should. We sin. Sometimes we treat others badly because they are different than us. People fight with each other. People are mean to each other. People laugh at each other. Because we have ruined God's very good idea, he is not pleased with us. Our sin means we can't be friends with him or enjoy living with him. We need God's forgiveness for ruining his very good idea. It's the same for everyone in the world. People who like reading need forgiveness. People who like riding bikes need forgiveness. People with darker skin need forgiveness. People with lighter skin need forgiveness. People with curly hair need forgiveness. And people with straight hair need forgiveness. But God was not surprised by people ruining things. He had always had a very good plan to rescue his good idea. So he got to work. He came to earth as a person, Jesus. Jesus loved people who were different than him. He loved people who no one else loved. He always enjoyed loving all the different people he met. Jesus showed us how to enjoy loving each other. But people didn't love Jesus. Instead, they hated him. They put him on a cross to die. But this was part of God's plan. On the cross, Jesus took our sin so that we can be forgiven. Jesus forgives his people for their sins. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose back to life and then went back to live in heaven. And then he gave people his spirit to help them enjoy loving him and loving all the different people they know. Jesus helps us to love each other. One day, God will finish his very good idea. Jesus will come back and make the world perfect again. And anyone who has asked Jesus to forgive them will live there with their different languages and skin colors. They will enjoy loving God and loving each other. They will enjoy praising God for making, rescuing, and finishing his very good idea. But here's a very, very, very good part of God's very good idea. You don't have to wait till then to enjoy it. Jesus welcomes anyone who asks him to forgive them. And when Jesus welcomes someone, he welcomes them into his family forever. He welcomes people who like reading and people who like riding bikes. He welcomes people with darker skin and people with lighter skin. He welcomes people with curly hair and people with straight hair. God's family is called the church. Your church friends are your brothers and sisters, your wonderful and colorful church family. You can enjoy loving them and loving God with them. This is God's very good idea. Lots of different people enjoying loving him and loving each other. God made it. People ruined it. He rescued it. He will finish it. And with your church family, you can enjoy being part of it right now.
Thanks, Kelly. Um, is she a good reader? She's a fantastic reader. I love that book. Um, it's one of those books you read and then it, I, it, often I'm reading scripture and I think of those moments or those wonderful illustrations in that book. That book invites us like we hear in our hymn today and like we hear in scripture from Jesus to come to him right now and be with him. And it reminds us of why, because he's the one who makes all these things happen, who brings rest and joy and unifies his church, brings together people from all different backgrounds, from all different cultures, even straight haired people and even curly haired people and brings them together. Nothing else does that. 